The Irish Times Books Podcast is brought to you by Green and Black's ethically sourced cocoa for a delicious chocolate taste. Welcome to the Irish Times Books Podcast. I'm the books editor, Martin Doyle. This weekend echoes the third annual festival celebrating Maeve Binchy and Irish writing in general takes place in her native Dawkey. With me in the studio today to talk about arguably Ireland's best love writer are her widower Gordon Snell and fellow author Henrietta McCurvey, this year's festival programmer, as well as being the first ever winner of the Maeve Binchy UCD Travel Scholarship. Gordon Snell is a children's author whose books include Amy's Wonderful Nest, Tina and the Tooth Fairy, and The Mystery of Monk Island. A former BBC producer, he married Maeve Binchy in 1977, and they were together until her death in 2012. Henrietta McCurvey is the author of What Becomes of Us, The Heart of Everything, subject of a previous books podcast, and last year's Violet Hill. She won the Hennessy First Fiction Award in 2015. Welcome to the Irish Times um, Books Podcast um, with me, Martin Doyle. And today I'm very happy to welcome into the studio uh, Gordon Snell, author and um, partner of Maeve Binchy, and Henrietta McCurvey, uh, author and programmer of this weekend's Echoes Literary Festival in Dawkey, which celebrates the memory of Maeve Binchy and explores uh, her legacy. Um, could I start off with you, Henrietta, and tell me um, a little bit about the origins of the festival, um, how it came about? Yes, this is the third year of the festival, and it originally started with, um, well, it was a combination of Gordon and Margaret Dunn, who is the, the director of the Heritage Centre in Dalkey. And Margaret was very keen to find a way to commemorate and celebrate Maeve, I think, and her relationship with Dalkey and other Irish writers as well, because it has uh, other connections too. And the first festival, which was 2017, um, which was a huge success, I think, from the start. And then last year, there was, again, and it's a different theme each time. It's always has Maeve at its heart, Mm -hmm. is the idea of Echoes, that it's the literary festival with her at its heart, but takes a different look through her, like sort of using Maeve as the the lens and the springboard for the ideas. So the first year, um, what the festival looked at was Maeve and her her social activism through her books. And she's tackled some very fierce topics very bravely for, you know, the 70s, 80s. Um, So it actually looked at what that, what those topics were and how she worked through themes in her books divorce, abortion, infidelity, alcoholism, things that were very controversial, you know, still at the time. There is, you know, a preconception perhaps that, you know, Maeve was because of her, her for her success, perhaps that she was sort of maybe sort of patronised as a woman's writer or whatever, but actually uh, there was quite a powerful uh, thread of feminism, quiet feminism, I think, uh, was a term used to describe her. Yes, exactly. In her, in her work. Yeah. And that's in fact what, what we did with last year's festival, it was, it took that description of her as a quiet feminist, mm-hmm. which I remember Gordon told me that she said she loved because nobody had ever called her quiet <laughs> before that, <laughs> that she loved that description and took that as the the springboard to explore, you know, exactly mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. it was, the things she was doing and the way she was using her 
writing and her ideas to empower other women and also other female writers. She was mm-hmm, a great supporter mm-hmm. of other writers as well. Just picking up on that thread, um, you wrote a piece um, for the Irish Times website uh, last week about your programming of the festival. And there's just a, a really lovely quotation which uh, really kind of resonated with with people when I uh, put it out on Twitter. Um, it's uh, This is Mia Binchy talking to an interviewer who had asked her about her sense of pride in other writers' achievements. And she said, success is not like a cake that needs to be divided. It's more like a heap of stones, a kern. If someone is successful, they add a stone to the kern. It gets very high and can be seen from all over the world. Like pe- a lot of people responded to that because it sort of chimed with their own memories and experiences um, yeah, of Maeve and her generosity it, well, as that's a writer. Just it. It's a wonderfully generous thing to think, but mm-hmm. she also acted on it. You know, there's actually one of the writers who's speaking in the festival, Andrea Carter, is the crime writer, um, was telling me about she had a, a piece in a book of short stories or flash fiction, must be about eight, nine years ago maybe, and Maeve was at the launch and asked everybody to sign her copy. So all the contributors were signing hers rather than them. Lovely. You know, Andy had mm-hmm. assumed it would be the other way around and everybody would go and get theirs and she wanted everybody's autograph mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. hers. Mm-hmm. And I think that just seeing that sort of generosity in action, even in small examples like that, that's the sort of spirit we're trying to capture in Echoes, that sense of community and celebration. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gordon, from your point of view, um, it must be a source of immense pride every year to have a festival in your hometown or village um, of Dawkey, uh, celebrating Maeve's memory and her work and Irish writing generally. It is indeed. I mean, uh, that uh, that should go on every year is is a marvelous uh, legacy of Maeve's um, memory and her writing. And um, I'm I'm rereading her books all the time, and uh, they're very illuminating now to reread. And uh, I think people are are very enthusiastic about gathering. Because it's not just uh, her writing, but other writers too that mm-hmm. the festival celebrates. And um, as as Henry was saying, the, um, the different aspects of, of uh, writing and um, other writers. And uh, I'm I'm delighted that it's spread and uh, and continued because it's uh, it's great that she should be associated with Dorky, which she was very much uh, um, a. a, a Native of really born and bred, felt, yeah. yeah, born mm-hmm. and bred mm-hmm. in Dorky, and uh, and a lot of her family still live do, in, yes, the, in so the vicinity. Her, yeah. her, her brother and uh, sister both live mm-hmm. very near, and so it's a, a real family place for us. Fantastic! I'm very proud to be part of it. I must mm-hmm. say, mm-hmm. it's a lo- lovely place. I just wonder that that idea of rereading Maeve's work. Um, you know, say many years after it was published. You know, have your perceptions of her as a writer evolved uh, yourself? Like, do you see different things now than what you maybe saw when you first read them? No, I think they have the same impact because she just is a, a brilliant writer. And mm-hmm. I, 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 I laugh out loud about some of the things, rereading them, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, also, I, I just full of admiration. I mean, she just, there are certain, she's very good at one-to-one scenes. Mm-hmm almost like a, a, a drama mm-hmm, and she, mm-hmm. that's ma- made her a very good playwright in mm-hmm, fact mm-hmm. That, uh, she could um, have dramatic scenes between people and, and the, the dialogue is you could put it straight on the stage mm-hmm. it's just and, so good yeah. and the screen because as um, well as 
um, adaptations for stage. There have been several um, for for into film. Oh yes, they have. Yes, and, and uh, Circle of Friends, particularly, and then Tara Road, and, and also How About You, which I yeah. like very much too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's the one that was actually filmed in my Dusher. Is that yes, right? that's right. Yeah. Yes, yes. It's beautiful, actually. It's sort of like a people in an old people's home. Yes. Or, sorry, hotel, rather. Yes, Over that's Christmas. right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. They, they, I remember when uh, Noel Pearson, who produced it, was uh, um, filming this Christmas scene. They had mm-hmm. to import an a, a outfit called Snow Sheen or something. Uh-huh. I can't remember the name of it, but uh, it, it spent overnight uh, coating the whole place, wow. including the roof and the lawn and everything. Must have looked fabulous. They had it's for a polystyrene yeah, snow. Yeah. And uh, so when we went to visit the set, we mm-hmm. were just full of admiration for this. And uh, they were saying, don't tread on it, don't tread on it. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't want footprints all over the lawn. And certainly don't build a snowman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and were you actually... Did you just restrict yourself to a set visit on this occasion? Because previously you've actually had cameos, haven't you, in, oh, in at least have. two of the films? Yes, we have. We're very proud of that. Mm-hmm. We were, um, yes, we were usually in restaurants, strangely enough. <laughs> and in Tara Road, sitting at a bar drinking martinis. Good times. And I remember it was uh, early in the morning that we were collected and brought in. And um, we were sat there. And Stephen Ray, who was playing the proprietor of the restaurant, mm. was hovering with martinis and uh, may have said, Oh, I could really murder a martini. And I said, I think you'll be lucky if they contain any alcohol. <laughs> it was probably just as well because they had about four takes. And in fact, it was some fairly insipid drink. But right. Anyway, we sat there and uh, watched with great pride as the camera mm-hmm, showed mm-hmm. us sitting at the bar chatting. And then unaccountably, the camera moved past us and filmed the, the main action. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> it's like your days and Father Ted, oh. Martin. Thank you. I was waiting for somebody to bring that up. <laughs> Unprompted. Um, and funnily enough, um, in Echoes, uh, I think I read that um, you were asked to, um, there was a question of getting into a period costume or whatever because oh, it was set yes. that, that's in, right. a, dif- we in were, a different era. We were sitting watching as, as, as ever and uh, they said, uh, this was another restaurant scene and uh, they said, well, we need a few more people sitting around. So do you, do you mind sitting at one of the tables and we said of course not so the wardrobe woman came and said Maeve would you come with me I'll put you in costume and then the, I got up and she said oh you're all right as you are <laughs> <laughs> very flattering so I'm much sure. for my fashion <laughs> sense timeless classics timeless timeless mm. yes and I read somewhere that you're also in an episode of Fair City is that right as a couple yes yes we were and still I'm still am a Fair City watcher but were you actually in it, no? Uh, you, yes, we were asked to do a scene. Uh-huh. And How did that come about? Were you in the pub again? <laughs> no, we weren't in the pub, funny enough. We were in the restaurant, The Hungry Pig. <laughs> and um, may have said, well, my health isn't too good, so I wouldn't like to be in a storyline that uh, depended on me. So they, they had a, a one-off scene uh-huh. where she had been delayed coming to a book signing. And then so we went into The Hungry Pig and then... Bob said, my goodness, that's my opinion. And then got, got me to photograph her with mm-hmm. him, you know, and all the little scene we had. So we were very proud of that. Lovely stuff. Green and Black's Velvet Edition range introduces a variety of signature flavours in a smooth, velvety finish. Made with the finest ingredients and ethically sourced cocoa, choose Green and Black's chocolate and escape the ordinary. 
Moving back to the festival, Henry, could you tell me a little bit about um, some of the highlights in, in this year's um Yes, events? there's loads. It's a it's a full weekend. So the first event is on Friday evening, which is Shay Linhan's adaptation of Aches and Pains, Maeve's book. Um, and it's going to be followed this year by a conversation between um, Evelyn O'Rourke is interviewing Conal Morrison about the idea of adapting another writer's work for mm-hmm. the stage and you know, adapting a novel. So that's going to be really interesting. We're looking forward to that. And mm-hmm. that performance is in memory of Shay, who died earlier this year, um, not long after his Light a Penny Candle. I think it was on in the gaiety okay. earlier this yep. year. Yeah. Um, so that's Friday. And there's the Irish Writers' Walk is Sunday morning. And Saturday is a full day programme of panels, talks, signings with authors. So starting with Olivia O'Leary is giving a keynote address in the morning as a friend of Maeve's, mm-hmm. but also about her life and times and her journalism as well as her fiction. And then we have panels all day and then it is being closed in the evening by Roshi Ningle. He's doing a Maeve Binchy at home. So what did, what it was like in Ireland at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, with We have two... There's, to a couple of panels in both morning and afternoon and they'll be punctuated with readings from Maeve's journalism by Deirdre O'Kane and Clelia Murphy. So that always seems to go down really well with people hearing the journalism read <laughs> aloud. Always yes, a, these, these will be extracts from Maeve's Times, which was taken from her Irish Times articles. Fantastic. And which we were very pleased to compile afterwards because she had often been asked about writing a biography. And um, she had long planned with, with Mary Maher of the Irish Times to collect the articles together mm-hmm. and make them into a kind of biography, which, mm-hmm. are, which they virtually are, because they cover about oh, six or seven decades, in yes. fact. And uh, it's a very entertaining read, actually. Yeah, I was rereading them recently, actually, and just the, the shift in shade between them is remarkable. I mean, there's a piece about the Zeebrugge disaster mm-hmm. It's very emotional and heartfelt and empathetic, mm-hmm. you know, and then a couple of pages later, it's, you know, four or five weeks later and it's something about the royal family, yes. you know, and just that ability to be able to move mm-hmm. around the territory mm-hmm. like that and be equally understanding and sympathetic regardless of the situation. I think that yeah, yes, really I think clearly my, in Maeve's times. I think my favourite one is I Was a Winter Sport, which is about her attempt to go skiing, <laughs> which actually failed at the first uh, step off the train because she slipped and uh, broke her, didn't break a leg, but she hurt herself and, mm-hmm. and was at the apres ski rather than the skiing most of the time. Where she excelled. <laughs> I wish to where she excelled, yes. It must be, I know it's not the same building, we're in the New Irish Times building where we moved in 2006, but um, uh, just across the road from the um, the old building, I guess. But you must have many happy memories of Maeve as an Irish Times journalist. Um, oh, very much so, yes. I remember the old offices were very like like they get depicted in some of the old films, like the front page mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. all the president's men and stuff. But uh, that was uh, so different from what it is now because I look out and I can see the, the people all coolly hunched over their uh, keyboards and yeah. looking at their screens. It's a lot quieter now, isn't it? Yeah, because you don't quieter, have the, yes, the that, typewriters, you just have the computer keyboards. Yes, at the, at the time I originally went into it, which is when it's in its original state, mm-hmm. it was, um, you know, what do you think of as an old-style old phones ringing, people shouting, rushing about. Mm-hmm. There was a, a story, I think true, that somebody got so fed up with his phone ringing that he actually 
reached up and cut the cable of the phone. <laughs> so this was the kind of incident that might occur. Mm -hmm. Now it's a huge temptation now to sort of cut off uh, calls from the outside world, but it has to be done. Um, well, I was actually, sorry, I meant to go mm -hmm. through some of the panels. Yes, if you want to go play. ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so we, the theme this year for Echoes was the idea of community in contemporary writing because Maeve was very interested in the idea of how communities come together. Mm -hmm. And you see so, in so many of her books, they are about new communities forming. So whether mm -hmm. it's people on a bus in Lilac Bus or, you know, it's people in a school or mm -hmm. whatever. So we thought that idea of how is, what does community mean and how it is, how is it reflected in contemporary writing and by contemporary writers? So all the panels link into that in various different ways. So we're starting with one which is about contemporary writing and how it reflects Ireland and life in Ireland today. And that is Cathy Kelly and Chris Binchy, Maeve's nephew, and uh, Joe Spain mm -hmm. in conversation with Niall McMonagall. And then later on, we sort of then thought, well, we'll flip that. So if that's what it's like here, well, what happens when you're abroad as an Irish writer? So we have Madeleine Keane, who's a travel writer, mm -hmm. um, Christine Dwyer Hickey, and Mary Pat Kelly, who's an American-based writer. Not particularly well-known here, I don't think, but, but very, very well-known, very yeah. successful mm -hmm. in the States as a screenwriter and novelist. And they'll be talking to Caroline Erskine. And I think that is going to be really interesting because having a travel writer on the panel, that's somebody who goes away looking mm -hmm. for experiences. Mm -hmm. They're mm -hmm. looking for yeah. things deliberately to write about, whereas the others are about, well, what's just happened to mm -hmm. you? What's What expectations have there been of you as you've been abroad? And then in the afternoon, um, there is a panel about looking at a, our sense of community by being based on an island. Like, what does being an island mean? Or does it? Mm -hmm. um, and again, we have a travel writer, Fionn Davenport, speaking on that one, um, with Hazel Gaynor and Andrea Carter. Again, her books are based in the Inishowen Peninsula, so they're very much about what happens in a small community. And mm -hmm. when that goes wrong, it really goes wrong, you know. Um, and they'll be talking to Niall McMonagall. And then our final, uh, the panel of the afternoon, is about writing as activism because increasingly it seems to be able to give a voice to particular communities who were either marginalised or not unheard. So we're, that's, I thought, be really interesting just to see how that comes about and how can you actually generate that sort of activity within a community. Um, and Carlo Gebler, who has been working with um, prisons for years as a, as a writer in, in prisons, and is going to be joined by Senator Lynn Ruan and Ibrahim Halawa. And they will be in a conversation with uh, Martin Doyle. Thank you. I, suppose I, should, you may have I should declare an interest <laughs> at this point, but yes, I'm very much looking forward to that conversation. Um, the festival is obviously one you know, very important, uh, very public way of um, keeping Maeve's memory alive or exploring um, her work and her legacy. But I wondered if I could could ask you without intruding, but, you know, um, in what other ways um, have you found um, solace or in in keeping that memory alive, say, at home? I think I read that one of uh, your good friends made a scrap scrapbook of um, a lot of press clippings and so forth um, about Maeve and her work. Um, yes, we, for example. We, we certainly have that. And it's, uh, <coughs> but there's so many memories of her at home where we live, of course, and uh, not to mention the two cats who mm. lurk around the place and were actually featured in the documentary, much to our delight, uh, about Maeve. Uh, they're called... Uh, Audrey and Fred? Audrey and Fred, mm. yes. Actually, uh, did... Deirdre McMahona said to us when we told them, 
told her their names. She said, those are very naff names. And so Mabel said, okay, okay, I'll give them confirmation names. So they ended up being called uh, Texas Xavier Binchy Snell and Aud- <laughs> Audrey Attractor Binchy Snell. Very distinguished. <laughs> very partially named cats. So they're a great memory. But then, uh, I mean, there's, there's um, things we brought together and pictures and, and uh, a marvelous picture by William Ireland, who did many of her, uh, as the yeah. artist who did many a of painting. her covers. Yeah. 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 And um, he, he did a lovely picture which she gave to me of uh, sort of four, five images of her. Lovely. So, and there's also, the, of course, the portrait in the National Gallery, mm-hmm. uh, which Maeve McCarthy painted. And uh, I, I visit that to say hello every, <laughs> every now and then. That's the National lovely. Gallery. But there's also the memorial garden in, in Dorky, in the library in Dorky, mm-hmm. which is dedicated to Maeve. And it's a lovely little garden with the, uh, um, roses and uh, a lovely mosaic. Whereabouts exactly is that? It's just behind the library. Mm-hmm. It's actually just that you go through the library and it's there. Lovely. And seeing how popular her work still is must be amazing as well. Oh, wasn't it, it is. Was it, it is Korean true. was the most recent, didn't you say? And they translated yes, all, of, a, all a, of her books into Korean at once. That's right, yes. There was a Korean edition. There was about 37 languages, I think, she was in wow. altogether. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I remember we were an edition in Estonian came out and um, we, we were looking at this with great admiration. It just happened we were taking a taxi into town that day and uh, Maeve said, God, imagine, imagine when the, 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 in Estonia they're reading me. And the taxi driver said, Estonia, yeah, it's about the size of Wicklow. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Possibly so. I think Marvellous <clears throat> put down. Maeve said, would you, re- li- would you really live anywhere else? <laughs> but here, yeah, to when you can get remarks like that. But still, one and a half million people, so it's... Oh, yes. I think uh, so. We were, we were still delighted, yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, it is wonderful that her um, her popularity was so, so widespread. I remember interviewing her, I think, for... Saga magazine many years ago mm. and her uh, telling a story about how she felt um, at one point that she would have to give up writing because her health was such that she couldn't keep up with the, the demanding kind of promotional schedules and her publisher told her listen you know don't worry about that we understand but you know the important thing is the writing so happily there is you know more of a legacy having given up writing she went back and, and wrote several more Yes, uh, that, that's right. I mean, she did think retire, retiring meant that, you know, you, you had to pack it in really yeah. and not uh, not go on writing. But the publisher said, oh, nonsense, we mm. want you to go on writing. So mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. she was delighted with that. I wonder, um, was it tougher um, grieving for Maeve, given that she was such a public figure, a much-loved public figure, is that that sense of maybe kind of you know mourning in the public eye, or or the fact that you know a lot of people maybe felt um, you know shared a sense of loss? Did that help, or was that? Um, well, I think it was a help. It was, uh, it was very gratifying to be, mm-hmm. and people still come up and say, "Oh, sorry, there were the Jewens," and it's 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 very moving, and I find it uh, very encouraging actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about for your own writing? Did you find it difficult for for a time to continue um, as a writer or to be creative? Um, 
given the fact that you had worked so closely together. I don't know if listeners know, but you shared a, a writing space in your home. Yes, we have in, a studio upstairs where we yeah. have each at one end of a long mm-hmm. desk. Someone described it, I think it was me, I've actually described it as being like sort of two, uh, two pianists pianist. playing a duet. <laughs> That's right, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> yes, it's, uh, I, I work uh, downstairs more now, but this is upstairs in the studio. But I do work up there, yes, because mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's it's that's particularly lonely if you like when when you're used to having had somebody in the chair along the, along the desk. Mm-hmm. So it's I, I I tend to work more downstairs at the at the uh, dining table really, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and and I do do work upstairs as well because the atmosphere there is so rich, rich and mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Um, delightful. In fact, like you had what sounds like an ideal working relationship where at the end of each day you would kind of read to each other um, what you had written. You had sort of had an in- instant audience, I think you described yes. it as, and the only rule being that the feedback had to be honest, but you were allowed a 10-minute sulk or whatever before you responded as to whether or not you took on board the criticisms or the observations. Yes, that that was one of our great inventions, I think. I think you may have often mentioned it, that Sulking time, you're allowed 10 minutes, and if, if, if which wasn't very often, the um, listener said, well, I'm not quite sure about that character or that uh, line or whatever, or that verse. And um, you were allowed to have the 10 minutes sulking time and go and whatever you wanted to do, stroke the cat or wander into the garden <coughs> or whatever. And um, But you had to come back and either say, um, no, I think it's okay as it is, or else maybe you've got a point. Well, I'll change it. It was a brilliant rule. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was remarkable reading about Maeve's ability whilst uh, whilst writing, whilst creating, to have headphones on and to be listening to either music or even, God help us, the radio, or even sort of uh, take a phone call in in the middle of her writing, have a conversation, and then carry on picking up the plot pieces where she had left them. I was um, always amazed that she could do that. I mean, she w- was doing multitasking before the word was even heard of. Mm-hmm, you know? She mm-hmm. could pick up the phone and have a chat with somebody and switch straight back to the uh, passage she was writing. Mm-hmm. It was an extraordinary skill. I couldn't do it myself. It must uh, be newsroom training. It, it, does, it? it must it be does, noisy room It sounds training. exactly like that yeah. in the I sense think. that, you know, so a reporter here um, working on a big story and then having to take a phone call or a colleague coming up and interrupting and the ability to kind of, I think you know, you're right. I, I think that was great training. Actually, mm-hmm. the journalism was a good mm-hmm. training. And also, she always said that uh, another great aspect of having been a journalist is that you knew when you sat in front of a blank page, mm-hmm. that it had to be filled. Yeah, you know, it's, it's not as though the paper was going to say, I'm "Sorry, may have mentioned you wasn't feeling like writing yes. today." The, so. the muse has not <laughs> the news has not visited the idea that a deadline is just that, and it has, yes. to, be, it has to be met. Well, I think um, all right, I think all writers find that I do myself. I tend to kind of put off writing an article or whatever until the desk is tidied or the yes, books are alphabetized, cats uh-huh, battered uh-huh. or whatever. Yes, <laughs> and then suddenly the deadline comes up at you like a headlong train, and you have to do it. Mm-hmm, I'm mm-hmm. sure Henry finds this too. Yeah, I'm. I, well, I worked as a copywriter for a long time, so I have a bit more of that. I can answer a phone call in the middle and go back to a sentence and it's that deadline training I think which it sort of takes the fear out of deadlines for you because you just get really used to them mm-hmm. so 
That's true. Yeah. Yes, you do get used to them. And you get to, to welcome them, really, because you know that if, you, if they weren't there, that you wouldn't probably finish the thing at all, let alone start it. <laughs> yeah, they're actually very liberating, I think, in lots of ways, deadlines. And Henry, one of your first um, connections, I think you met Gordon through, you were the first winner of the Maeve Vinci Travel That's right, the UCD Maeve Vinci Travel mm -hmm. Award. Yes, that was how we first met, all right, yeah. Wow, um, which yes. I think is a lovely way to commemorate her connection with UCD, and it's mm -hmm. been really successful. Um, so it was a, it's a creative writing opportunity, and it's wonderfully broad. You know, there was no, I was doing an MFA in creative writing in UCD at the time, and it was a, a bursary to fund a piece of travel that would somehow feed into a piece of creative writing. It was so beautifully open. Mm -hmm. um, so I, my proposal was a project to explore the shipping forecast, which I've always enjoyed listening to on the radio. Mm -hmm. This is the, the BBC one, not the sea areas forecast for here, but the BBC mm -hmm. one. Um, so I headed off and had an adventure exploring the sea areas and through folklore and through places. Mm -hmm. and, you know, mm -hmm. it wasn't actually all about putting my foot in the water at each one or anything. Um, Didn't you sleep in the Fastnet Lighthouse? That was a particular highlight of mm. it, yes. I got an overnight in Fastnet Lighthouse, mm. which I found quite challenging in lots of ways, <laughs> mainly because what I thought was a huge gale, the uh, the maintenance crew who were there were just laughing at mm -hmm, me mm -hmm. as I was clutching the rail 160 feet up. <laughs> and they're like, really, this is nothing, please. Mm. You know, on a bad storm, they find fish in the gutters 160 feet up outside their kitchen as the waves have gone mm. over the top of the lighthouse. So I should have kept my thoughts to myself then. But that was an amazing highlight to mm -hmm. actually be able to go and go somewhere like that. But yeah. that was a wonderful way of commemorating Maeve and mm -hmm. still mm -hmm. is the Travel Award because um, the Margaret Keller and the UCD um, English and Drama Department talked to me and said, you know, how, what would you like to, us to do as a commemoration? Would, mm -hmm. would you like to have a lecture? And I said, well, maybe hated lectures, actually, so that would be the worst thing. <laughs> so then uh, we, we devised this idea of, the, of a travel award, as, as Henry says, to, mm -hmm. to finance a, a piece of travel which would, as, as you say, feed into, mm -hmm. uh, could be poetry, could be uh, stories, it could be articles, whatever. So Perfect, yeah. And mm -hmm. it has worked very well indeed. Yeah, because the projects have been really broad since, haven't they? There's, been very there's unusual, a documentary, yes. there's poetry, there was, mm -hmm. you know, yes. somebody and tracing the Moomins author around Finland. There's been fantastic projects. Yes, and yeah. uh, one of our uh, recipients, he went on the uh, train journey. Like Lennon, Lennon, is that right? Lennon that was John Patrick McHugh. That's right, right. Yeah. 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 Lennon did up to... Uh, into Russia, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so he followed that uh, uh, route and wrote about that. So that, that was, it has been very, very rare. Mm -hmm. And uh, the most recent uh, one is a visit to Mont Montserrat, which is a big Irish influenced mm -hmm. place where there are a lot of Irish immigrants, and, and apparently one of the biggest St. Patrick's Day is in Montserrat. So I believe, yeah, yeah, in yeah. the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. Yes, like it's very appropriate because obviously the. The prize itself is a, a very generous act, and Maeve is an incredibly uh, generous writer, uh, both financially and with her time and encouragement. Uh, but also, of course, her career as a journalist started when she was living on a kibbutz in Israel. That's and right. Started yes. writing letters home to her father, who sent one uh, to the Irish Times, and I think it got published, and that was really high. Um, she took her first steps as a as a published published writer. Yes, that's what really uh, 
kick-started her whole career as a as a, as a writer. Yeah, as I loved a her description of that. She said he he cut off the dear daddy bit at the top and <laughs> sent them to a newspaper. That's editing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Creative editing. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I must actually dig those up. I presume they're available somewhere in the Irish Times archive. Then must. Yes, I think I don't know whether they're in. It may be in Maeve's times, but certainly they exist as uh, as articles about mm-hmm, the kibbutz. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very interesting, actually, your observations. Where was your favourite uh, trip together to? Would you say? Oh, I think I think to Sicily, which is one of our first trips. We mm-hmm. went to Taormina, and uh, had, had, a, had a wonderful time there. And that was the very first beginning of proper romance, as if you like, you know. And, Lovely. Uh, and was that the the Roman ruins, or was it the the cuisine? No, it, it was more lounging on the beach, <laughs> I think. <laughs> and one of your first trips, I think, was to was a day trip to Boulogne. Is that right? And you didn't make yeah. it further than a fairly shabby restaurant, restaurant overlooking the, the harbour. That's true. What happened was that uh, Maeve and I used to meet uh, when she was still working in Dublin, uh, in London, and we'd have a drink and a chat. And she said, "God, it would be wonderful." To live in London because you could get at that time a hovercraft across to uh, mm-hmm. to uh, Boulogne, and, mm-hmm. and I said, "Well, let's do that." So um, we we made that day trip, and um, I, I didn't exactly feature because we ne- we deliberately never featured each other in articles. We didn't say my companion had <laughs> Bordeaux or whatever, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, I, I said, "Well, you know, I wasn't very pleased with the way I was featured because I had." Explained while we were, or tried to, how the hovercraft worked on this cushion of air, you see. And uh, in the article, she said, a boar beside me talked about cushions of air. <laughs> I said, thank you very much, Auntie. <laughs> Your relationship was obviously strong enough to Absolutely, withstand yeah. such <laughs> observations. Absolutely, yes. But you're right, we went to Boulogne and we found a restaurant and uh, didn't explore Boulogne at all. We just sat mm-hmm. there talking all the time. And that was, in a way, the beginning of the road. Well, uh, relationship, if you like. That's a beautiful story. Okay, listen, thank you so much, Gordon, for coming in and sharing your memories of Maeve. And Henry, thanks again for coming in and talking about uh, this weekend's festival, which I would encourage anyone to come along to if you're free. Yes, um, Friday night is sold out, but there's still a couple of tickets left for Saturday. So do come along. Lovely. Echoes.ie is the website. Thank you. Thank you both. That was Gordon Snell and Henrietta McCurvey talking about the late great Mia Binchy and this weekend's Echoes Festival in Dawkey held each year in her memory. Thanks for listening. Until next month. <laughs>